Welcome to the Cinderella podcast, where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing the same story over and over until we slowly go insane. I'm Liv. And I'm Talon. And today we watched Lata's Ashenpatol, which was made in 1922. And we're going to go ahead and call this the Snip Snip Cinderella, mm-hmm. for reasons that will unfortunately become clear. Yeah, so this is a very early animation. This is a paper silhouette style animation. I fell down a pretty deep rabbit hole researching Lotte Reiniger, who was the director of this. Oh, please do tell. Okay. So she was born in Germany in 1899, coincidentally, the same year that the very first Cinderella movie was made. It's ominous. Yeah. She was evidently fascinated by silhouette puppetry like forever. She was a huge fan of George Melier. She actually devised the first form of a multiplane camera. Oh my god. Yeah, which is what allows you to have depth in animation. It's It allows parts of it to be transparent and the other part to be seen from behind or to have the background and foreground move in opposite directions. The most iconic version of this is when the evil queen in Snow White drinks the potion and like the background spins around her in a different direction. That's a multiplane camera. Yeah. So she got herself enrolled in the theater of Max Reinhardt. Max Reinhardt, by the way, is the guy that directed the 1935 Midsummer's Night's Dream with Olivia de Havilland, who is the best. Ooh. And I don't even know how many pages deep I got into this. So she got herself enrolled in the theater of Max Reinhardt with Paul Wegener, who was a famous German actor, writer, director who made The Golem in 1920, which is like an iconic German film. And his fourth wife was the leading lady in Nosferatu. Oh my god. So, I'm sorry, what a wild sentence. His fourth wife was the leading lady in Nosferatu. I just want to savor that for a second. Yeah. So, he was, you know, making his movies and being a big deal. And she was doing a lot of elaborate, very intricately cut paper title cards for him that also were slightly animated. I have a couple of great quotes from her. There was peace for a short time, then came film. I had refused to learn a profession, and now I had one desire, to make films at all costs. (laughs) In 1918, she animated the Mice and Rats for Wegener's Pied Piper of Hamelin, which was like a huge success. And her work there got her admitted to the Institute for Cultural Research when she was 20, where she met her future husband. He was the one who, like, filmed a bunch of her stuff while she did all of this incredibly intricate paper cutout work. So what this movie is, is the most delicate possible filigree cutout paperwork on a colored background. So the paper is black or not reflecting any light and it moves. So she cuts it out in different ways and places it. So it's basically the very earliest version of stop motion animation. The year after she made Cinderella, which, by the way, she made this when she was 23 years old. Right? I don't feel bad about myself. Um, She was asked to do a full-length feature film called The Adventures of Prince Ahmed, which was basically uh, like the Arabian Nights. This is the oldest known feature-length animation. Snow White is often attributed to be the oldest, but this is like an entire decade earlier. Oh my god, wait, I've heard of this! It's got these incredible like dark red backgrounds in some of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! So, yeah. Basically, everybody was horrified at the concept of a full-length animated movie. They were like, that's not what animation is for. Animation is for, like, keeping you entertained for 
like 10 minutes. <laughs> so they made this movie, which originally had a very openly, very positive gay couple in it because Lottie dealt with the art crowd in Berlin and was just totally fine with gay people and really wanted them to be included in film in a positive way. So I love this woman. The Adventures of Prince Ahmed, uh, nobody was really interested in it, and it didn't get distributed for about a year until Jean Renoir, the famous film director, who some of his films are often cited as like the greatest films ever made, who was the son of Pierre-Auguste Renoir, the painter, huh. championed it, and it premiered in Paris and was a huge success. Anyways, she had an amazing life. She was an absolute icon she influenced everything. She influenced Fantasia. The sort of puppetry paper cutouts are also pretty heavily in um, The Princess and the Frog and the Friends on the Other Side song. And if anybody is familiar with the uh, Harry Potter Deathly Hallows Part 1 movie, the bit where they go into the other animation and do the tale of three brothers with the wand and the stone and the triangle thing, that's absolutely her style. So she is just this amazing amazing woman and i just i had so much fun reading about her her history was fascinating she invented all these things she was so cool and uh this is her essentially college admissions project <laughs> are you serious i mean that functionally she made this the year after she got admitted to like the institute for cultural research so so this is kind of like her thesis? This is sort of like her thesis. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Thank you for letting me go down that rabbit hole. I appreciate it. On to the actual movie. So Talon, how did this movie start? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. So it started with a black screen and kind of tinkly music. It sounded like almost like a music box, but weirdly threatening. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly it had these kind of dun-dun-dun notes. And at that point, it was revealed that the verses were specially written by Humbert Wolf. Mm. And I understand now why we got a scare chord. Yeah, me too. Uh, the music that's playing is, it's not Debussy, but it sort of sounds like Debussy. It's a very narrative type of orchestral music so it was very enthralling and yeah it definitely sounds like an evil music box is coming to get you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so we start with the following text what cinderella suffered from the two sisters and her stepmother how she grew into a fairy princess here is seen told by a pair of scissors on a screen mm -hmm. which i guess is a poem and maybe i'm just bad at reading it but so the way it was cut up on the screen, two was the end of one line. So it was like, what Cinderella suffered from two stepsisters and stepmother. And it was a weird way to break the lineup, but it, it was technically a, two pairs of couplets. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Fair enough. I, I maintained that I didn't like the verses. <laughs> I'm with you. I, didn't, I was not a huge fan of the verses. And then we see what is shadow puppet hands which are made out of black cut paper cutting with shadow puppet scissors which are also made out of black cut paper 
a shadow puppet, which is mm-hmm. both literally and metaphorically made out of cut paper. Yep. And it's very realistic. It almost looks like like rotoscoping style animation, but like that wouldn't make sense. It's too early. It's too early. So it's just incredibly accurate hand movement and progression. And there's the animation for being cut paper is incredibly fluid. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's almost uncanny how realistic it is. I'm delighted that you use the word fluid so fast because Reiniger's wiki page uses the word fluid about 157,000 times to describe her style. So, okay. So, the way, listen, <laughs> the way cell animation works is you draw the same picture over and over and over again with slight differences so that it appears to move. Mm-hmm. Cut paper animation is exactly that, except after drawing every single picture, you then cut out every single picture. Mm-hmm. This woman is a maniac. Yep. She sure is. So the segment ends with the finished shadow puppet, who's clearly Cinderella, interacting with the scissors that cut her out. Mm-hmm. And for a moment, it looks like she might be decapitated, but she isn't. And she sort of hangs onto them. And drops off. Yeah, the scissors give her life. And then they sort of push her upright. And then we see the stepsisters. Uh-huh. And we have our very classic tall and thin and short and fat. I have them as pointy and round. Yes, the the tall one is very pointy. She has an extremely pointy nose, extremely pointy neck, extremely pointy headgear, extremely disturbing and articulated hands and fingers. Think Tim Burton cartoon, but spindlier. If anybody's into the Magnus archives, the way that they describe Michael's hands. Ooh, ooh. Like that. That's going to be a deep cut for like two people, but uh, those two people are real mad at me right now. Not sorry. Moving on. (laughs) So we also see the stepmother, who is also a very spherical woman. And she has a couple of... mm, distinctive props one of them is a pair of glasses that you hold from the side like a little mask i forget what they're actually called oh i looked it up uh i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation but lorgnet sure lorgnet l-o-r-g-n-e-t-t-e i think lorgnet would be the correct pronunciation of that who knows she also has a cane and she has a hat or a horn, or... I think it's three feathers standing straight up, like on a horse or a showgirl. Okay. At Mardi Gras. The first couple of times that I see it, it it's just looks like a, a horn sticking out of the top of her head with a little tiny top hat on it, and I was... Oh, you know what? Never mind. That's what she wears to the ball. Yeah, she wears feathers to the ball, but in the beginning we see her... In like a... I think it's a comically thin and pointy top hat style hat. I mean, sure. It, it, it could be anything. The problem with silhouettes is that they are silhouettes and there's no interior detail. Well, there's sometimes there's interior detail because Reiniger is a mad woman. But it's confusing. I just have it as long square horn hat in my notes. That's fair. So when we meet the stepsisters, do you do you have in your notes what they did? Because I, I do. 
I have notes about the scene with the bird. Is that what you're getting at? No. Oh, okay. No, so when we see them, they shake their hands triumphantly, and then they kiss each other on the lips, and while still holding hands, they nod at each other, and they're still holding hands. I missed that all three times I watched this movie. Did we watch the same movie? Yeah, I watched it at like half speed and kept pausing it to take notes. I watched it at three quarters speed, but I. There you go. All right, it's that extra quarter speed, I guess. I I go the extra quarter <laughs> minute. <laughs> so, we see a black screen now and a sort of white arched window opens into the bottom left hand side of the screen and cinderella is there and we're seeing that it's like a cellar room and she's got a stool and a she's praying by the stove or cleaning or doing something sad and then another room lights up in the top right hand side and it's like diagonally across the screen and it's clearly you know the rooms in the house where the stepsisters are and they're at a table and hanging above the table as though it were a chandelier is a very fancy bird cage with a very fancy bird in it with a long curling tail Mm -hmm. the tall thin one is plucking at the bird's tail like teasing it and then when it turns around the short fat one is eating something from the table but also sort of teasing the bird with i think she was drinking a cup of tea and not part of it at all I thought she was, because she took multiple things from the tables and put it into her mouth and sort of showed it to the bird. So I think she was antagonizing the bird with like, I'm eating the roll. Psychologically. Yes, I think she was psychologically being mean to this very pretty, almost phoenix-like bird with its long, long curly tail. And then we get a, the middle window opens and uh, we see the stepmother. I have her down as just the bad guy from Despicable Me with a long toilet plunger-esque hat. <laughs> That's fairly accurate. She's very kind of triangular mm-hmm. in shape and just very crooked and um, kind of hunched. Angry and yeah, and hunched over. What she's doing is she's standing on the stairs in her little vignette window and she's shaking her cane. Mm-hmm. And she's shaking her cane at Cinderella. And Cinderella kneels down in front of the stairs so that the stepmother can step on her back as she walks down them. Okay, that must have been another secret that came in at the extra quarter speed, because I just got that Cinderella scrubbed the floor. That's so much worse. Are you serious? I'm serious. I watched this so she many times. She stepped on Cinderella's back. It was horrifying. But now I'm also, like, kind of doubting myself. Like, am I putting things into this that weren't there? No, there's no way that you could make that up. I I am, I have faith in you. Uh-huh. So now we get the, um, the word cards for this movie. But they're, they're a little different than you normally get in silent movies. Mm-hmm. Talon, do you want to describe these, um, these cards? Well... So the first card was kind of how they did chapter titles in old-timey books, where they're like, chapter four, wherein so-and-so does this, that happens in this. Mm-hmm. But these title cards get, like, real specific with it, mm-hmm. in that they give us 
all of the information about what we're about to see, including dialogue that hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. And they do it in like fairly big chunks, like multiple scenes at a time. And to add insult to injury, it's in this weird slanty rhyme where only the last two lines rhyme, which I don't like. I'm not a fan of that. And it always starts with snip, snip. Yep. I think this one that we get first is the worst one. Oh, I wrote them down each and every one verbatim. Uh, I know you did, which is why I didn't. This one's pretty bad. This one is, I think, my least favorite. What does this one say? <clears throat> snip, and we have the king's RSVP. Snip, and the magic birds have set her free. Pecking the lentils from the ashes, but no place at court, they tell her, for a slut. Uh, in this case, dear listeners, the word slut means a woman of dirty, slovenly, or untidy habits or appearance, a foul slattern, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. But is, oh boy, does it sound like very, does it like a lot. Go, loses something in modern translation. Yes. So that happens. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it doesn't. We haven't seen well, it yet. It I will mean, happen. The even words though, happen. <laughs> even though the verses are like written in past tense, like they have set her free, but they haven't. Yeah, the title cards in this. They will. The title cards in this come in a really weird place. So now we cut back to our actual um, action, I guess. And a very fancy messenger with pantaloons and a big feather in his hat gives Cinderella a paper outside and she brings it in. The stepmother reads it with her giant glasses on its little stick. And she calls her daughters in and they're all in sort of a close up silhouette shot, but their eyes are cut out so that they have pupils so that you can see their eyes moving and their eyes uh, betray their excitement about this this missive because they proceed to roll around in their eye sockets like marbles for a while these ladies are clearly having a seizure yeah i can make that joke as someone who has had a seizure while making this podcast So they're all rolling their eyes and waving their hands and in a very upsetting way. And they ta- they're all talking at once. Their mouths are all moving very excitedly. Now we cut to the Cinderella getting them ready scene. Cinderella is putting a corset on the fat one, which we've had a whole bunch. And she tightens it and tightens it and tightens it so much that the sister uh, collapses. The strings break. The strings break. The sister collapses and her shoes fly off, which was pretty funny, actually. Well, so she falls over backwards and we get a shot where it's just her legs waving in the air. Mm -hmm. It's very cute. Yeah, it was funny. And the tall one is powdering the tip of her extremely long nose. So she's got one of those big puff powder things. And it's just like, boop, 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 about, you know, a solid 12 inches away from her face, booping herself on the nose with this giant powder puff thing. And on like her collarbone. We see that she is in a corset which has space for a bosom. Copious space. She is not filling this space. It is a it is a very obviously cavernously empty corset, which we find out because as in the previous movie, Cinderella is uh, clearly instructed to 
fill out the bosom area of this, but instead of Kleenex, um, <laughs> Cinderella puts in all sorts of things, which just disappear into the vacuum of this corset, by the way. She puts in the powder pom-pom. She puts in the bowl full of powder. She puts in a giant perfume box. And she puts in a massive hairbrush. So yep. that was a great scene. That's going to feel real good. Yeah, it's going to look like some really high quality boobs. Like that's... <laughs> the next scene, we have Cinderella combing all four of the stepmother's hairs. Mm -hmm. And then they stand straight up on end. And the stepmother throws her mirror backwards over her shoulder at Cinderella and it hits her. But the importance of the scene is there's a reflection in the mirror. The mirror, which is, again, made out of cut paper, has a reflection also made out of cut paper at the correct angle to the cut paper silhouette holding the mirror. Just wanted to point that out. Reiniger is a mad woman. So Cinderella shines the tall stepsister's shoes. And then she walks away and Cinderella stays kneeling and just cries. Mm -hmm. The stepmother comes in and Cinderella curtsies and fixes her silly little three-feather hat that I was confused about earlier. And then she begs her with her hands clasped. But the stepmother gets a container and starts pouring a surprising amount of lentils into a pile on the floor. And then she shakes the hand and like, a few more fall out and she leaves and cinderella starts to interact with the lentils on the floor and this is very clearly the you have to separate the lentils from the peas or the beans uh, from the, the ash ashes, the ash you have to do something with these lentils uh, and there's a time limit but cinderella remembers that she has bird friends mm -hmm. and leaves the lentils goes to the window opens it and leans and calls out and the room fills with birds. Like, like a lot of birds. And I swear to God, there are two peacocks in this room. It's either that or like a rooster. I, I want to say that the birds are pigeons or doves, but they're kind of pointier than I would expect. So they could be anything, really. Most of the birds are just sort of generic bird shape slightly stylized but two of them have these long tails i swear they're peacocks i mean they very well could be who can say who can say so the birds all descend on the lentil pile and we get an hourglass as sand which again is paper individual individual grains of paper sand this is hard flow through this hourglass and as the last one falls all the birds sort of fly up and swarm around her and then leaves and the last one stops and kisses her well so there's one straggler who we see individually drop a single lentil and then fly up to her and she kind of smooches him on the beak and then he flies away it was very cute he was getting the very last one for her mm -hmm. it was super cute and just as he leaves, the stepmother comes in again, and Cinderella clearly repeats her request to go to the ball. And stepmother looks at this bowl of lentils, but now clearly what's happening is that she's saying, you can't go, you're covered in ashes now, you are now no, not fit to go to this ball, you're too dirty. 
and she laughs uproariously. And then the stepsisters come in, and the short, fat stepsister does, I don't know if anybody else knows what this is, but it's called long bacon. And it's where you put your thumb up to your nose and wiggle your fingers. Okay, I know what that is. I had no idea it was called long bacon. Is that anything like long pork? No, that's cannibalism, Talon. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. No, long, no, we're not going into a cannibalism discussion. <laughs> no, this is just called long bacon. I don't know why, it just is. Okay. Okay. Great. Accidental cannibalism, it's great. The taller stepsister then comes into frame and sticks her tongue out. And it's actually really cool. She has all these buttons on her because we're seeing her in profile. Mm-hmm. And she, she almost looks like she's wearing a band uniform. Mm-hmm. And she waves around her creepy little bony hand very like oh. fluidly and so kind of slowly backs out like a creep. So much articulation in her finger joints. Ooh, they're very bony. It's very bony, very joints. Like, I, I counted and there are technically that many joints in human fingers, but it just seemed like there were more joints in her fingers than there should have been. <laughs> Michael. Anyways. So Cinderella puts her face in her hands and cries alone mm-hmm. because everyone's left now. And then we come to another title card. <laughs> Which I will attempt to pronounce correctly with Olivia's guidance. <laughs> Snip as she gathers from her apple trees the golden gown of the Hesperides, the silver coach. But when the clock strikes one, warn the bird voices, Cinderella, run. So this is my favorite title card that we get. <laughs> There's a lot to pick from. There, there are. But I love this one. I love that it's one and not midnight. I don't know why. Probably just because it rhymes with run. But I loved it. And I love that it's the birds warning her. Because this is definitely an old school Cinderella. This is, we got doves, we've got lentils. And we see her now at a graveyard at an apple tree. Mm-hmm. And there's all these sort of very crooked graves around her. It's very night on Bald Mountain, honestly. It's very cute. She's... In the silhouetted circle of blue now, mm-hmm. where the not paper color, instead of being like this pretty lavender, is a darker blue. So we know it's night and it's very spooky. Mm-hmm. And the design on this is just very, very good. Yeah. And so she's brought, I think, flowers? I think the flowers are growing there and she's just watering them. I got the sense that she was bringing something to her mother's grave because there's no reason for her to be in a graveyard if this wasn't like a dead mother scene. So, no, she's just kneeling and crying and she kind of waves her arms up at the tree in a sort of woe is me kind of way. Yeah, she's definitely doing praying motions. And we get a really cool transformation scene. Oh, yeah, we do. So, as she's looking up at the tree, the tree is covered with all of these sort of almond-shaped leaves. The leaves fly off the tree and just coat her and cover her. And so you can't see her at all. It's just this sort of black blob of leaves. And then suddenly she's in this incredibly beautiful, rich silhouette gown. And it's sort of a 1640s-esque gown. Like a, uh, think like Three Musketeers with like the big ruffs that the women wore but only behind the neck it wasn't the full like elizabethan nonsense and big poofy sleeves and big poofy skirt 
and then more birds show up and bring her this like capelet cape thing but it's cut from paper in such a way that it looks like it's made out of gossamer her sleeves are also so fluffy and airy yeah and it's just it's wild how much volume and shape she was able to sort of relate to us with paper with paper that looks like it's transparent but it's not it's just the way she uses line and shape it's it's just incredible truly truly incredible so some some birds fly out of the tree with flowers and the veil Mm -hmm. and one of the doves lands on her arm and nods at her a lot presumably telling her the bit about 1 a.m mm-hmm at which point I was like, oh, gee, if only there was some way to communicate that information to us now in that moment. Yeah. What if the bird lands on her arm and nods a couple of times and then we get a title card that just says, Cinderella, you must be home by one in quotes. That doesn't rhyme, Talon. Don't be ridiculous. And then we cut back to the bird nodding. Well, then what would What's-His-Face do if he couldn't write verses? That's not a verse, Talon. Don't be silly. Just, I liked a lot of what he wrote. It was just superfluous at best and distracting at worst and frankly, often annoying. The timing was really weird. It was very off-putting that the scene would happen after you knew what was happening in the scene. The verses should have all been in a single poem at the beginning without any dialogue. And then we should have seen the whole story play out and the only time we should have gotten title cards was when somebody was saying something specific. Okay, I would take it. We also get the coach now and the horses, and they just start out being small. They seem to come out of the tree and float down, and as they come closer to us, they also grow in size Mm -hmm. and increase in detail. Mm -hmm. So we get this beautiful pumpkin-shaped coach with a coachman mm-hmm. and three horses and the horses have like decorations on them it's completely bonkers oh it's very cool and at this point they're just showing off honestly and cinderella gets into the coach and does this little wave at the coachman a sort of like oh go on it's very cute. and the carriage drives off yep get another title card snip and the ball the lights the trumpeters the high pavane, the prince's heart, all hers. Snip, and when the time remorseless seeks to trip her, flying, she takes a soul but leaves her slipper. I didn't read that very well. You read that great. That's my favorite. I love it. Because she steals his soul, which means that she's some sort of, like, wraith? <laughs> like, what steals souls? Vampires take blood. Zombies take brains. What? I mean, the devil. Ooh, plot twist. Cinderella was Satan the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's wild. He didn't, like, it didn't have to say soul there. It could have said heart. It wasn't the one that rhymed. Like, yeah. It could have been heart just as easily. Um... Anyways, so now we see the band that's playing at this ball. This is, guys, this is the wildest band. It's three guys. It's a trio. On a balcony. On a balcony. They're in poofy pants and lots of feathers. And one of them is playing like an old-timey trombone-ish 
it kind of looks like a sack butt, to be honest. Like, one of those old-timey instruments that just doesn't exist anymore and is just like a really wiggly trumpet. <laughs> and there's somebody with a clarinet, I think, or some sort of very long, thin horn, and someone with a fiddle. <laughs> what kind of music do you think they're playing? <laughs> I mean, they've got a trombone and a clarinet and a fiddle, so it could be swing music, to be perfectly honest. All we need is, like, the band from last week to roll in, and I forgive everything. <laughs> So we see the king and the queen and the prince are under, um, I have frondy palm trees. I was mostly impressed by the curtain backdrop hanging off the ceiling okay. and kind of over them. That's fair. They're also on like a raised platform. Yeah, they're on a dais. Yeah. Yeah. And lots of young ladies are being presented to them and they come up and curtsy one at a time, including the stepsisters. The prince is very bored by all of this. His silhouette expresses his boredom. Okay, so every time somebody curtsies in front of the prince, the king, the queen, and the prince all bow in perfect sync, mm -hmm. and then they each slightly raise their hands with the prince raising his hand at his elbow in a sort of, thank you for coming here. Thank you for being here today okay. gesture. <laughs> And he does it exactly the same every single time, like three times in a row. And then the next one up is Cinderella. And he doesn't do his little thing, but the king and the queen do. And he just stands there completely frozen. Mm -hmm. And then Cinderella leaves because she did the bit. And the prince takes two steps down and then poses dramatically with his arm outstretched after her for like, a full beat mm -hmm. and then he follows her into the ballroom by which point she's already sitting in a chair i have that he follows her wispily off stage he sort of prances his way off stage he it's a very dainty fellow he doesn't okay it seems like his legs are directing his movement and the rest of his body is sort of following along imagine a gazelle I was thinking more of the inflatable, flaily arm <laughs> Thank you for acting that out for just me. You're welcome. <laughs> so, as you said, Cinderella is already seated. The step family are behind her, and they are watching her with their glasses and accoutrement. The prince comes up and bows over her and asks her to dance. And then they have this beautiful silhouette paper dance. There are these incredible chandeliers everywhere and candles. So she's got black paper and then white paper and then regular paper, I think. Because she's managed to make these chandeliers look like they have flames in them, which are different than the other kind of paper. I It's wild. There's also these standing candelabras. Oh, it's... It's just completely bananas. And the prince and Cinderella are doing a very pretty like a gavotte or something. They're doing something kind of bouncy, but also stately, and they do some leaps and kicks, which, again, it's paper. She's cutting these out of paper. They're so intricate. There's all these little... Okay, okay, anyway. Do you know how I describe their dancing? Please, I don't. What did you write? Lots of dainty toe taps and skipping. Yep. Which is weirdly in line with what you said. That is what happened. We, we both watched the same movie. So the king and the queen are watching this and they are pleased. They, they smile at one another and they nod. 
And then they roll their eyes, their pupils inside their eyes. Yep. Roll in approval. I guess. Presumably. So we cut to black. And then we see this beautiful clock face with moving hands. And it kind of looks like Cinderella's on one hand and the prince is on the other hand. Mm-hmm. Almost. And they're getting closer together, which unfortunately means that she's got about 10 minutes before one. Mm-hmm. And then we fade to black again. We do. And then we get this beautiful white paper heart, which grows vines from it and blossoms into like other hearts, which grow and expand until it's just not faded to black anymore. And we're just watching the prince and Cinderella. Like the weirdest possible curtain rising. It was so intricate. Every single growth had to be a separate stage in animation like you can't like move an arm on a joint nope because it's paper to make vines grow out of a heart like that's not to just keep cutting them out forever wow so anyways we see the prince of cinderella he gives her a rose and then they kiss a bunch like they kiss multiple times she drops the rose while they're kissing and They stop. Cinderella kind of touches her hand to her lips. And the prince kneels down in front of her and, like, picks up the rose for her. But then we see the clock again. And now it's one. And there's frantic music. Mm -hmm. And we zoom out. The prince is kind of recoiling backwards while still kneeling. And Cinderella stands up, drops the flower that she's holding again, and runs away, leaving behind a chair again. Cinderella went to the ball and spent the entire time sitting in chairs. And that is my kind of ball. Yeah. The prince is a little slow on the uptake to realize that she is leaving. But he does attempt to follow her and he... I just have that he wisps his way after her. He dramatically presses his hand to his head and runs out with one hand on his head and the other one kind of thrown behind him. Mm Mm-hmm. It is very silly. I love him. I'm picturing him being played by, like, James from Team Rocket. You know who I think he should be played by? Um, that The guy who was in... I'm going to... Never mind. I'm going to cut that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Great job. He's got, he's got long hair. Mm-hmm. He was in the movie about the guy that couldn't do anything. And he sucked, and he was, like, the rich dude who didn't know how to make toast. And then, like, someone came to help him, but then, like, they died. And he had to do things on his own, and there was a love interest. He has long hair. His name was, like, Russell. Okay, can you give me, like, a setting or a time period? Because... Modern. This is a modern time period. This is a remake of an old movie. The movie is, like, his name, and it's, like... Oh, is it Arthur? Yes. Okay. I don't remember what the actor's name is. Though. Russell Brand. Russell Brand. Russell Brand should play him. Oh, <gasps> Russell Brand. Yes. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Yep. Anyways, the prince chases her to her carriage, but she gets in the carriage before he can get to her. And the carriage whisks her back to the old homestead, to the apple tree. And at some point, she loses her shoe while running down the stairs. And they do animate it, but I literally had to fast forward to when the prince picks up the shoe 
to see that he's picking it up while standing next to a lamppost in front of the stairs. And then I went back to that scene and rewatched the moment when she runs past that lamppost. And yes, she does lose her shoe, I guess. Guys, you need to understand that this is a 13-minute movie. We both watched it. I watched it again on three-quarter speed and paused it some, so it took me about 20 minutes to take notes. Talon took notes for over an hour. <gasps> Are you serious? Is that how long I took? It was over an hour. <laughs> I am so sorry I'm like this. It was so hilarious. So Talon is better. Just if you're wondering which of us is better, it's Talon. Oh my god. I do not mind. I have all these new crochet projects. I'm perfectly happy. But... Well, anyway. Anyways. So Cinderella gets back to the tree and the dress dissolves back into leaves and falls off her and she's back in her servant's clothes and she is kneeling. No? Okay. Yes, that's what happens. But also, um, her veil and the bouquet she's carrying all fly up and whoosh into the tree and so does the carriage. Oh, okay. Missed that. And then her dress and crown and updo all turn into leaves and kind of dissolve around her. Mm -hmm. And she's kneeling sadly at the tree. And then the prince walks in. Yeah. And he is gesturing at her in a looking around kind of way. And she's right there. And he doesn't recognize her at all. He's, he's looking around with his hand over like shading his eyes from the bright moonlight to like look and see and pantomime. And he looks back and forth and directly at her where she is. She doesn't like turn around to look at him, but like she's right there. She's right there. And he looks directly at her and then sort of bows his head sadly and shakes his head and walks away. She's still praying and crying at this tree. And he sadly goes back to the castle and finds the shoe and just I have that he's literally limping in sadness as he just, like, trails his way up the stairs. Yeah, at this point, he's reached, like, full Howl from Howl's Moving Castle. Yes. Levels of, like, melodrama and sadness. Yes. And if he could, like, form slime, he would. He would. He shows the shoe to the king and queen and then kisses the shoe a whole bunch and collapses. Well, okay, he also clearly describes everything with, like, a dramatic reenactment because the small shadow cut paper puppet's hands are flailing around and he's, like, telling them a whole bunch of stuff clearly. So I think he's like, Mom, Dad, you're not going to believe what happened. There's this girl. I danced with her. She was so beautiful. We made out. I think I want to marry her. I gave her a flower. She ran away. I went to look for her. Couldn't find her. It's been 15 minutes. I don't know where she is. This is her shoe. I love her. Yes, that is exactly what he said. No, no doubt about it. <laughs> I'm being absolutely serious. So we see the manic musicians again for a little bit, but then they stop playing and then the scene changes back again. And I did not get this on the first watch through. The king has sent for two, I have them down as witch doctor pilgrims. I have them as, like, guys. They're just as pals. Okay. Just smart guys. So they're not. They are doctors. They're doing the thing where the prince is sad, where he's, like, sick with sadness because of the shoe. Because the prince is in the background just, like, 
collapsed sadly in a chair. And these are smart looking dudes that are like arguing about the best way. I'm I'm convinced these are doctors who are trying okay. to cure the prince's sadness. Let me tell you what I think it is. Okay. So what happens? Let's describe what happens. Okay. And then I'll explain what I think is the meaning of this. So these two guys in admittedly like very spindly looking pilgrim hats look at the shoe. They point at each other a lot. They point at the shoe a lot. The king is offering them a bag of money. And then one of them like pokes the other one's hat off. And he's bald underneath with like two hairs. And a bird flies out from underneath the hat Mm -hmm. for reasons that are not made clear to us at any point. Nope. And then the prince who has been kind of slumped over with his legs straight out in front of him just despondently gets very mad and is just angry at them and grabs one of the pilgrim guys by his collar and lifts him up one-handed into the air over his head Mm -hmm. like hulk grabbing loki like puny god style yep lifts him up and throws him across the screen over the other guy's (laughs) head who very smartly at this point backs out and then the prince kicks the pilgrim hat over behind them yes and then a jester comes in Mm -hmm. and makes him says some things to them makes a suggestion of some kind waves his arms around the prince apparently likes what he says because he jumps up they high five (laughs) then clasp hands and shake them the king hands the money to the prince and the prince gives it to the jester who does a handstand and balances the money on his feet here's what i think is what's happening enlighten me the king is like let's get some smart dudes these are my pals these are the smart guys they're gonna figure out who this girl is and this is the clue we have this is the shoe we give them the shoe they point at it and they're like okay she's very she's got very small feet she must be very very rich oh these are fancy shoes so she's probably a nice lady and they're making judgments guesses they're trying to figure out like who she is and the prince is like this is stupid none of this makes sense i know who she is i just i don't know where she is and he gets mad and he throws them away the jester comes in and is like let's just put the shoe on every lady in the kingdom and the prince is like hell yeah let's do that and then they high five okay i agree with the last part of that i think what's happening (laughs) do you remember in the slipper and the rose when they were like the prince is sick he is sick with shoeness the shoe is making him sick we should get rid of the shoe and they brought in a bunch of doctors to like cure yeah but this was like in the middle of a ball I still think that they're doctors. I think they're doctors okay. and they're trying to cure him of this madness that has come upon him. Shoe madness. This mad despondency. And the king is like, look, I'll give this big bag of money to everybody who can make my son just like be normal again. And these pilgrimy witch doctor dudes are like, well, I think this shoe might have germs on it. Maybe it's like fascinated him with witch doctoriness. Let's get rid of this shoe. And he's like, no, I'm not doing this. This is stupid. And then the jester shows up and is like, what if we just put it on people? And he's like, I love it. Let's do it. And that's why the jester gets the money because he's now brought the prince out of his melancholy. I disagree. 
but I am strongly considering calling in sick to work tomorrow with shoe madness. I think we should all call in <laughs> sick tomorrow with shoe madness. <laughs> Listeners, we got to pick a day. We got to pick a Cinderella day where we all call in sick with shoe madness and just <laughs> we'll, we'll work it out. We'll work it out. So then we have another title card. Snip, and what can a royal lover do but tell the world my kingdom for a shoe? They search, they measure, ladies pinch and strain when sister even cuts her foot in vain. We get another fancy clock face, time moves, passage of time. I think it's been a couple of days. I think so. You're really trying everybody in the village. Really everybody. We get this... Very ceremonial pomp and circumstancy parade. This is like the shoe trying on montage brigade. So these are not women trying on shoes. This is the seventeen pages and four horsemen and seventeen stable boys and shoe. Oh, it's his carriage. Prince Ali moment. This yes, this is his Prince Ali moment, and he is there striding. It's a procession somberly across the stage to like very just pomp and circumstance music there's several people carrying a canopy over the shoe bearer who is carrying the shoe on a pillow as is appropriate yes of course the prince is there riding a horse which also has a crown which later turns out to be feathers but definitely looks like a crown right now it's okay and someone is holding on to the prince's very long cape even though he is on a horse so he has decided to go riding on a horse with a cape that goes all the way to the ground, and then back another, you know, 10 or 12 feet. And then a person has to walk behind him on his horse, carrying it's great. the cape. I love it. It's, it's amazing. There's a bunch of people with, like, flags and stuff, and everybody is walking at the same pace, but not completely in sync. Like, they've all been individually animated to walk. It's, it's stunning. It's bananas. It's, it's absolutely, the amount of just individual animation that went into this is absolutely ludicrous so we're back at the house the stepsisters wake up in the same bed and then we're outside again real quick and a trumpeter trumpets and people poke their heads out of various houses on the street and a whole bunch of different windows this is clearly the here you here you come try on the shoe if only there was a title card right here yeah. saying my kingdom for a shoe yeah. Or whatever it is that the prince had said. Who knows? That'd be better. Yeah. So the stepsisters are very excited about this, and they look at their own shoes as they get out of bed. We then see Cinderella sitting on a stool, mm -hmm. looking at her own feet. Mm -hmm. That girl loves to sit. She is a sitting kind of girl. She is... I like that about her. Mm -hmm. Me too. So then the stepmother walks in. And gestures at the floor, where it turns out there's a door to the cellar, and she gets Cinderella to open the cellar door, which Cinderella does. And then the stepmother gestures to the cellar, kind of thinking, well, maybe Cinderella will go in the cellar. Cinderella does not want to go in the cellar. Nope. The stepmother takes her by the hand and pulls her down and throws her in the cellar. Cinderella claps her hands together and begs her... But the stepmother takes her hand and just pushes Cinderella down on her head. Yep. Kind of like dunks her into the cellar and then closes it shut. Yep. Sure does. The tall stepsister comes in and sits down on Cinderella's chair. And then the prince and his entourage walk in 
with the page carrying the shoe on a pillow. The tall stepsister does a very elaborate curtsy, and the prince is in the back of this scene, just sort of holding his head in his hands, just like, ugh, this is not going to go well. And then we see a close-up of the stepsister trying to put her very long foot into this very tiny shoe. And she takes a knife, and she cuts off the whole front half of her foot. Yep! Not... Not like the toes like we've seen before, or like the heel. Mm-mm. Like at the arch of her foot, she just snip snips, and we see blood drops fall out. But she puts it, her foot, her half of a foot, in the shoe. It's literally just the bit that her ankle comes out of and the heel. So there's nothing to put inside of the shoe. She just has to get it through the hole. It's... It's horrible. It was really upsetting. I'm so happy this was in black and white. If there'd been any color here, I don't think I would have made it. The prince is not thrilled about this, but he's like, I mean, they fit. I guess this is the person. And so they walk to the horse and there's sort of blood just dripping out of her shoe. He made a lot of like, why me hand gestures and kind of threw his hands up and then very dramatically flung out an arm towards her, like ramrod straight. Yeah. So that she could take his hand. Mm-hmm. His body language has been, like, phenomenal. Oh, yeah. No, very expressive. So they get on the horse, and she's sort of sitting on the back of his horse, and we see just drops of blood flowing out of her foot. They ride away. They do. And then another title card appears. For Snip, a bird has whispered in his ear, Seek in the cellar, prince. Your bride is here. She comes. She fits the shoe. She curtsies and passes forever into fairyland. That's not the same rhyme scheme we had before. Ooh, there's blood in the shoe. <laughs> Ugh. So yeah. So yeah. So <laughs> the bird tells the prince what's up, I guess, or will in the future. A bird flies up to the prince now that we've seen this and presumably gives him this information. And does the shoe fall off of the stepsister? She definitely faints. The horse rears... And she faints. There's a lot of things that happen all at the same time. And all of the paper silhouettes kind of go a little weirdly scribbly for a second. And I don't know if that's a recording issue or if she literally did that effect with paper. It's hard to tell. Everything just gets weirdly pointy. Basically, they turn back around. And when they return back, the stepsister's slumped over and he's carrying her. And he deposits her with the stepmother Mm -hmm. and then waves his arms demandingly. And then they leave. And the prince looks like he's about to leave too, but in the opposite direction. And thankfully at that point, a bird flies in and sits on the chair by the trap door that goes to the cellar. And then another bird flies in and sits on the floor by the trap door that goes into the cellar. Mm -hmm. And then they both not aggressively in perfect sync at the prince he's still not getting it they like they peck at the door and he just sort of shrugs at them like what are you trying to tell me and they they peck at the door again and then the shorter stepsister walks in and shoes the birds away Mm -hmm. and sits on the chair yep and the prince kneels in front of her and offers her the slipper and he doesn't look happy about it But he's kind of approaching it with a why not this at this point kind of demeanor. And then 
we get a close-up of the stepsister trying to put her very wide broad foot into this very tiny shoe and she also pulls out the same carving knife but the prince knocks it away he like knocks it out of her hand it's... grabs the shoe back and stands up and the knife like falls dramatically on the floor it's it's so funny i i want the prince to call out every stepsister for cutting their feet off uh, this is that was hysterical but then he undercuts the gravitas of that moment by just stomping his foot petulantly. Oh, yeah. And gesturing dramatically with his hand. Mm -hmm. The stepmother and the stepsister back away, and the birds appear again, and it, they just pull the cellar door open. Yeah, they've given up on him. Because he's just not, like, it's not happening. No. So they pull it open, and he puts his hand on the top of it, just as Cinderella kind of pops her head out and he holds out his hand for her. She starts climbing up, but then he picks her up and lifts her out. He holds her a few feet off the ground for a while. Super strong. And the birds close the cellar door and then he sets her back down on the floor where the <laughs> cellar door is now closed, which makes me feel like the birds were worried he would just accidentally drop her in there again. I think we can all agree that the birds are the most sensible creatures in this movie. No, absolutely. Like, they're not, like, they're not wrong to worry. No, no. It makes perfect sense. I would also be concerned. Yeah. So she curtsies at him, and she sits on her chair, and he kneels and holds the shoe out and puts it on her, and it fits. And then he appears to recognize her. He makes a lot of hand gestures that imply recognition. And then he kisses her foot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he kisses her hand. Then he pulls her up and kisses her, which, like, I wasn't thrilled about the order of that. And then, and then, and then, the stepmother, we, we see the stepmother, she's watching them through her giant glasses, and she, her mouth is moving, and she starts to have, like, a heaving bosom. Like, we start to see breaths being very exaggerated, and then... Her body is, like, almost rippling. Yes. Uh, and then she she's making a lot of big mouth movements. And then she sort of arches back, and then she gets spherical. Like, she becomes inflated. And then she splits open from top to bottom like an alligator opening its mouth. And the jaggedy halves of her both collapse. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, cool. I... I had it like the mouth of a Venus flytrap, but yes, exactly. Yes. Okay, cool. Neither of us had a psychotic break. That is what happens next. Nope. That's exactly what happens. And the stepsisters lean over the spot where her, the pile of her self body used to be. And they cry over it. And the music is like very intense. Mm -hmm. And then it suddenly changes and it's very celebratory. Yep. But also kind of like the evil music box music, like killer clown music. Now the prince is riding the horse again and he's the one holding the reins. But Cinderella is sitting in front of him and it's actually very cute because he's got his arms around her. It is. Mm -hmm. And two birds fly around them and Cinderella and the prince kiss and ride away and the screen goes black. That's the end. That's that's the end. You still love us, guys? <laughs> Did you follow? Did you miss anything? This was 13 minutes. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess I guess now we do highs and lows. So, Talon, while we're here, 
highs and lows of this wacky movie. So please understand that I mean this in the most complimentary way. <laughs> My high is how weird and off-putting this film was. <laughs> I just, the bits where the feet were cut off, the stepmother was ripped in half, that weird scissors bit at the beginning, mm. or like the mm. way the stepmother pushed Cinderella's head down into the cellar was so weird and like such a visceral detail. Yeah. I just, I really liked it. I thought it was kind of creepy. That procession with the prince was like weirdly dark. It was almost funereal. And kind of like, yeah, it was, uh, shall we say, a black parade. Oh my God. <laughs> And I just, I really enjoyed how goth it all was. Super goth. Uh, my low was the transitions and the placement of the text. Also, every time they said snip, like, I just, I hated every time they said snip. Yeah. I just, I hated it. Flames on the, on the side of my side face. Of my face. <laughs> just, snip. Snip. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But mostly, like, I just... I hated where the text was and how far ahead of the story it was. And there was so much of the verses that I did actually like. Yeah. That I wouldn't mind it if they were in the film. I just, the placement was bad and snip. Snip. How about you? What are your highs and lows? I think my high was just this style of animation which I realize sounds like it's similar to yours but just the knowledge in the back of my brain that oh no no this is paper that's been cut out and it's not big paper this is tiny paper with tiny scissors this is every time I remembered how absolutely incredible this is just it blew my mind just all over again so watching the style of animation was just absolutely incredible well it's not even the style like it's the medium like the fact that they did this with paper that's yeah no, that's you're correct absolutely it's, it's the medium it's it, it almost defies description i don't even know how to explain how incredibly cool this is there's so many places in my notes where i describe just like the random objects that are in the scene just as background that we didn't have time to get to but like when Cinderella goes to summon the birds through the window with the lentils bit, mm -hmm. the windows have window panes on them. There's two different potted plants on the windowsill. There's different types of jugs around her. And every scene is like that. It's just incredible. Yeah, there's there's nothing that's just like, oh, I just did a quick cutout of a thing. Nope. Everything is intricate excruciatingly detailed mm -hmm. so i guess the detail i guess my favorite was the detail my low was when the prince found her looked at her shrugged and sadly walked <laughs> away that moment made me really angry oh my god i that yeah. i really hate it when the prince actively doesn't recognize her like if he passes her in the field or if he overlooks her in a crowd or if she's hiding behind a pillar or something that's that's okay. But if he literally just looks at her and is like, well, that one's not shiny. I will say that it seemed like it happened within like a minute of her running away. Yeah. And the fact that this was a woman with a completely different hairstyle in a completely different outfit 
doing a completely different activity, not in a carriage. I feel like at that point... And he saw her from the back. I feel like at that point, though, you would at least be like, hello, strange woman crying behind a tree. Have you seen a carriage with a beautiful princess go through? At which point she would theoretically at least look up at him and he'd be like, oh my goodness, it's you. What happened? Let's get married. Well, it was a silent movie in silhouette. We don't know. They could have done another snip. Maybe he... They could have done another snip. They, they were just standing there for kind of a long time, so maybe we were supposed to intuit that he did ask her and that she didn't turn around and while crying was just like, no. Okay, I guess that sort of fixed it for me. I mean, I don't... I literally don't know. Like, I have no evidence to support this. But they just... They did stand there. For like, a that while. scene lasted long enough that I think some interaction probably took place. Could have reasonably taken place. But maybe not. Okay. So what would you change about this movie? It would be the title card. Yeah. Uh, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times, but what I would like to do <laughs> is take all the verses... Cut out all the dialogue, stick all the verses in the poem in the, at the beginning that just describes what happens in case people don't know the plot of Cinderella and just like give a very brief overview of it. Just keep some of like the cool lines and get rid of all the weird stuff like her taking. Well, no, I like the taking his soul bit. That's kind of cool. The, That's kind of metal. The soul bit was pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, but... But yeah, the title card's definitely... All the unnecessary bits, and then whenever somebody's saying something within the context of the scene, like a title card with what they're saying at that specific moment, so that I don't have to remember what a title card told me somebody would say in a different scene later on when that scene is happening. My memory is not that good at things like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm too stupid to follow along to a 13-minute <laughs> movie. Oh, man. <sighs> How about you? What would you change? I would change my own ability to process detail because I've watched this movie several times now on less than full speed and there are still so many things that I missed because there's just so much happening. Mm -hmm. Like, I would like to change my own ability to absorb information through my eyeballs. Oh, you would like this as like a flip book, like an art book where you can just look at each individual scene. Yes, we like, I would like to look at this page for 30 minutes. And like notice all the little intricate little tiny details and then I'd like to flip to the next page I would like that I would also like that all right so should our listeners watch this yeah oh my gosh yeah I absolutely think you should watch this mm -hmm. it was really fun and really visually striking like this is very very cool you should totally watch it yeah absolutely agreed it had a lot of really uh, weirdly visceral moments for paper Mm -hmm. and a lot of very surprising and a couple of very touching and funny moments so for again 13 minutes of paper is deeply impressive mm -hmm. it's on youtube if anybody wants to watch it it's easy to find so what is your final grade for this movie i'm gonna give this movie a b plus okay i thought it was incredible i thought the cut paper is just just like stunning it's awesome in like the genuine sense of the word like it is inspiring awe mm -hmm. i was so distracted by the placement of the title cards yeah i don't know how it's possible to both confuse me and spoil me for cinderella at the same time <laughs> but like i hate that it told us that a stepsister cuts off her foot 
and that only one of them does it and not the other one you know like what a weird thing to give away ahead of time yeah agreed i found it like so distracting that i would have preferred it zero context zero text just the silent film just the animation it only detracted from it the text was easily the weakest part and was very very disorienting i didn't like it how about you what grade do you give this one I'm going to give this one an A minus. Just the design of the thing is just so incredible. Mm-hmm. And I love the story. This had a lot of the storytelling elements that I loved. We had pigeons. We had lentils. We got a foot cut off. We had a dead mom ghost. We got the leaves, trees transformation scene. Oh, yeah. We got the stepsisters interacting with Cinderella at the ball or like noticing her and looking at her. The prince goes on the montage. We get the creepy birds at the end. We get this incredibly weird comeuppance, I guess, where the stepmother just explodes and turns into a Venus flytrap and dies. I liked it. Yeah, no, that's that was a choice. I was not expecting that. That was very surprising. I agree with you completely. The, the cards, the title cards absolutely took me out of it and screwed up the story element. But this was incredible. I only grade on my experience <laughs> of a film. This is by no means like a verdict on how good it is. This is just a metric of, like, how much did I enjoy this movie? And I didn't enjoy it as much as it deserved to be enjoyed. That's fair. So I'm actually really glad you gave this one a B plus because we are on a disturbingly uncanny streak of good movies. And I'm just deeply concerned about the karma that I'm stealing from future us and, like, what horrors are going to await us later in season three. So you don't think we've already paid for this? Maybe, maybe this is karmic, um, not retribution, the opposite of retribution. Reward? Reward, thank you. Maybe this is like karmic reward for some of the awfulness of season two. Maybe we earned this. Maybe we earned this. I think we deserve this. I hope so. I'm hoping (laughs) this is a reward and not like the thing where you take all the money in advance and then there's no more money and you spent your whole once allotment at the beginning of like the first week and then you just have to live off peanut butter for rest of the month i think that's that fairy tale with the um flint and the magic do you know what i'm talking about is it like the magic tinderbox where it it makes yeah, stuff? yeah 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 because yeah, he has like all this money and then he runs through and he's like dang i guess i'll use this tinderbox and then it turns out to be magic yep yep that one but that's not the fairy tale we're doing no we're doing cinderella and it's almost midnight, so we need to stop doing Cinderella. <laughs> How'd you like that transition, guys? That was pretty smooth. <laughs> so uh, thank you for joining us. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you. So follow us at Cinderpod on Twitter and Instagram. Like our Facebook page or email us at thecinderellapodcast at gmail.com. If you want bibbity-bobbity bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella, but with more adult questions, language, and beverages, join us in the Ever After Party at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at incompetech.com. So, Liv, what are we watching next week? Next week, we're watching Zezala, which was made in 2000. It's another made-for-TV movie. I don't remember which one this is. I think I thought this one was going to be good. I have no memory of this place. 
Oh, Liv, I just Googled it. And when I typed in Zezula, it auto-completed to Zezula, the cat Cinderella, an Italian fairy tale. I thought I had Cinderella the cat later. No, there's a Cinderella the cat later. In, it's going to be in season four. Is there another? Is this also cat-based? Guys, I don't know what's going to happen next week. We're going to watch something called Zezula. Oh, hang on. Okay, never mind. That's something completely different. I think you should give us, like, an actual thing. Yeah, let me look it up. Oh, this is this one. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Next week, we're watching another made-for-TV movie made in 2000 called Cinderella. Cinderella's actual name in this one is Zezula, which is why it's in my notes as Zezula. Oh. This is a modern Cinderella, and it is fashion-based. Oh, okay. The blurb on IMDb says, as her father is won over by a selfish woman named Claudette, Cinderella must keep her new stepmother from murdering the only family she has left. What? Add in an antisocial mermaid literally living in a cave. What? A bored prince with an ear for rock and roll and the glamour of the <laughs> 1950s. And one will find that this story can't grow old. So. Oh my god. I have no idea. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I don't know what's going to happen next week, but it's going to be a blast. Okay, then. <laughs> well, until next week, we hope you have a happily ever after.